0: Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, City Lights Church. Happy uh, Veteran or Memorial Day, I should say. Uh, we thank all the vets, of course, who have uh, given, paid the ultimate uh, sacrifice for our freedom. Um, wonder where you're watching this today. I've got the live chat here. Is anybody watching this from, like, a campsite? If you are, put that in the comments. Let me know if you're watching from a campsite. Uh, hope you're enjoying this weekend. And, uh, you know, last week we had uh, Jorge up here. How many found Jorge? Somewhere on the set. But uh, let's see if you can find Jorge today. Jorge is a, is a yellow duck. And um, just look around the stage and see if you can find Jorge somewhere. Okay. Great. All right, well, hey, um, uh, <laughs> welcome to church. Welcome, thank you for welcoming me into your living room, uh, uh give you an update on when we could meet back here at church. Uh, We think very, very soon. Um, Many of you saw the announcement by the president to uh, declare houses of worship essential. I think they've always been essential. Uh, But we'll be chewing on that this week. There'll be some new guidelines coming out, I think, on Tuesday from the state of Colorado. And we're hoping to have a meeting here at the church very, very soon. And so you should expect to hear some kind of communication from us for sure this week. And we'll be rolling out a plan of how to get everyone back here at church in the safest way possible. We're excited. Um, we're excited. I love, I love um, you know, what we've been doing is great. We've been able to, to stream, and we've got an amazing media team and sound team. Worship team have been working so hard, and we're so thankful for them. Make sure to thank these guys. Jared, Adam, uh, Jared Eddy, Adam Lowry, Russell Sickler, David Dimmon. These guys are amazing. Uh, Greg and the worship team, they've been working super hard as well. And so we appreciate everyone who's made this happen. So very soon, we will uh, be communicating with you about how we can get back in here. Uh, we miss everybody. All right. Uh, last week, we started a new series talking about the end times. I got a little bit of feedback from people who watched that message, and um, a lot of good feedback. People are excited about this topic. I'm excited to uh, bring this to you today. All right. Is anyone camping? I don't see anyone camping, but... Glad to see you guys here. Alex, good to see you. Danita, hallelujah. Melinda Snyder, y'all. All right, praying for you guys. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be fun today. Okay. We've been doing a series. We'd start last week on the end times. Um, if you'd missed last week's message, go back and listen to it. That will kind of show you, give you an idea what I want to go after and what I do not want to go after in this series. Uh, more than timelines and charts and graphs, I want to go after God's heart for you and his strategy to work through you in the end times, okay? God has a strategy. God is always up to something. Did you know there is, there's a purpose for every season under heaven, okay? God has an agenda in every season of our life. The enemy of our soul definitely has an agenda as well. But what is God doing in your life? What is he doing currently in this situation, in this pandemic, in you? You know, um, Church was never, me coming up here and preaching to you, I, I take this seriously, I prepare. And I want to give you something that, that's beneficial to your life. I want to be able to you know, feed the sheep, feed the flock. Um, but this was never supposed to replace you going before the Lord and digesting the word and going before him, okay? You know, one of the things I think about uh, people not being able to meet here at church is it's maybe challenged some of you to to make sure that you're getting fed spiritually in another way. And for some of you, maybe that was a good thing. You know, your relationship to God is not through me. I'm happy to be called uh, to be doing what I'm doing, but your relationship with God is not through me. It's straight with Him. I'm just here to kind of help point you towards Him, okay? And so there's a strategy. God has a, God has a, um, what he, He's doing something in every season of our lives. He has a strategy to keep you on fire for Him, He has a strategy to keep you effective for Him, He has a strategy to change the world through you. Yes, you, okay? So the title of our series is called God's End Time Strategy. He has a strategy to keep you on fire for Him, keep you effective, and to change the world through you, to change the world through the church, okay? Um, The end times, um, and wherever we're at on that that timeline, who knows? We don't know. But the end times, we're not called to just endure the end times. We're called to thrive through the end times. It's not something... um, to survive, it's, a, it's something that we're supposed to thrive in every season of our lives. But many Christians kind of have this idea um, to hell with the world and to heaven with me. Get me out of here, right? Okay, and now I know sometimes the world looks dark. It looks bleak. I understand that. Sometimes we get discouraged. But listen, the, as long as the church of the Lord Jesus is here, as long as we're here, we are called to make a difference. We are called to change this place, amen? Okay, so our attitudes should be our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. The, fa- the Father's will is done in heaven. And our declaration as the church, the bride of Christ on earth, is to see to it that his will is done here on earth, to enforce the victory here on earth. Can I get a witness? Yes. Okay. So he wants, Jesus wants to thrust us forward to be the overcoming bride, the overcoming church, okay? In this series... Um, I know there's a lot in the Bible that talks about end-time events, the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. But here we have in the book of Matthew, it's the most um, condensed. um, It's it's actually the most Jesus spoke on the end times all at once. Okay, So Matthew 24, 25, we're pretty much going to stick with um, those two uh, chapters in this series. We might venture outside a little bit, but this is going to be the primary focus of what we're doing here. We we ended with this last week. I want to bring us up to speed. Matthew 24, 1 through 3. Jesus, it says this, Jesus left the temple and was walking away with his disciples um, when his disciples came to call his attention to the buildings. Do you see all these things? He asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. every one will be thrown down. Verse three, as Jesus was sitting on uh, the Mount of Olives, which is opposite of the temple, uh, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, okay? Notice they asked Jesus three questions. When will the temple be destroyed? You said every stone will be thrown down. When will that happen? Okay. Um, By the way, that happened in 70 AD. That was a significant event for the Jewish people. That's when animal sacrifices stopped, when the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. Significant event event that they still lament and mourn to this day. Okay. Very significant event. Um, Question number two, what will be the sign of your coming? And he talks a little bit about Matthew 24, what the sign of his coming is. Uh, maybe we'll get more into that in a little uh, future messages here. And of the end of the age. So they asked three questions to Jesus. What, what I said last week and what most people don't realize is that Jesus starts answering their questions, their three questions, and he doesn't change the subject for two whole chapters. All of Matthew 24, all of Matthew 25, he's addressing the same subject, Okay. I think a lot of people don't realize that Matthew 25, in my opinion, it it is Jesus. Well, this is not my opinion. It is Jesus' instructions for how to thrive in the end times, how to be ready for the return of the Lord. Um, But a lot of people don't see it that way. They're kind of like in with Matthew 24, and then they're like, what are these parables after this? Well, same thing, same subject, okay? So uh, this week... Uh, we're going to focus on the parable of the 10 virgins. So it's the, the very beginning of um, Matthew 25. And I think actually, a lot of times I'll start a message. I'm trying to get, or I'll study for a message. I'll start a message, and I'm just trying to get one message out of it. And then I get more content than, that can be fit into one message. So I'm actually going to at least do two weeks on the parable of the 10 virgins. Because what I have for you today I didn't want to breeze over, okay? I wanted to make sure that people got this, because I think this is important. Um, This is important what I'm going to say today. So I'm going to do two two messages, at least on the parable of the 10 virgins, okay? What is a parable? A parable is a story used to reveal a spiritual or moral truth, okay? Jesus spoke in parables often, okay? A parable. In other words, the real story is in the story, the real story is encoded in the story or it's in the interpretation of the story that the real spiritual truth comes out, okay? And so Jesus often spoke in parables and, and those parables were catered to the audience of that day, okay? Um, these were people who were living in an agricultural time. They didn't have a Western mindset like, like we do. And there's a context to many things that Jesus spoke of in, in these parables, particularly. If we're to properly understand uh, what these parables mean, we kind of have to, in, in one sense, get out of our Western mindset. We have to go to a, a Middle Eastern um, Jewish mindset, right? Um, an agricultural mindset will help us. If we, if we can kind of get over to that, it'll help us understand what's going on. Well, the parable of the ten virgins is no different the analogy here is the analogy is a first-century wedding, a Jewish wedding in the first century. Okay, now, um, what I want you to see in this parable is that there are there are two parties. Um, there are other characters, I suppose, but there are two parties that have roles, and most importantly, there are two parties that have responsibilities in this parable. Okay, and um, again, this week we're 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 uh, we're talking about. I'm sorry, this week we're going to talk about the bridegroom in, the, in this parable. And next week we'll talk about the ten virgins, the bride, okay? So the title of my message this week is called Return of the King. I know that's a movie that some of you are familiar with. Return of the King, because the context here is Jesus' return. He's talking about his return, him coming back. He is coming back to this world. Never lose sight of that. It's very important. And then next week we'll do a message. I will be called The, uh, the Virtuous Bride. Okay, one thing I want to say before we read this is this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is trying to help you. He's trying to help me. He's trying to help us to stay on fire for him. He's trying to help us to be prepared for his return, okay? He's trying to help us. So let's read Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. At that time, I'm going to pause right there. (laughs) At that time, at what time? at the time of his return. Okay, that's what he's talking about. It's a reference to the whole previous chapter. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied that there may not be enough uh, for us and you. Go, instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10, but while they were on their way to buy the oil, The bridegroom arrived, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others came also, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You do not know the day that the Lord Jesus is returning. Keep watch. What I wanna do with the rest of the study today, and it's Memorial Day. I'm not, I'm not going to try to give you too much today. You all got some barbecue and, uh, to do, right? Um, what I want to do with the rest of this sermon is just talk about the context of a Jewish wedding in biblical times, okay? I want to bring us into the context of this, of this parable. Jewish wedding and, and Bible times, okay? Uh, why? Why do I want to do that? Because this provides a model for us for what the return of Jesus will look like, what it will be like. It will, it's like a Jewish wedding from the first century, okay? So, how is that different than, than how we understand weddings? It, what, there was a difference, we, it, there was, it was very different, okay? Um, different in several ways. Uh, number one, a man selected a wife to be, or, or a man's father um, helped select a wife to be, and they negotiated a deal with the bride's father and they paid a bridal price for the bride, okay? Now, although this is technically an arranged marriage, from biblical examples, we can also see that the bride's free will played a major role in these unions, okay? Okay, a marriage contract was drawn up, and there would be a betrothal or an engagement party. Uh, This is one of the biggest differences between what happens when people get engaged Today and what happened when people got engaged back then, at that engagement ceremony, um, unlike Western engagements, it was legally binding at that point. Um, in other words, you would have to get a legal divorce if you wanted to stop the uh, the wedding at that point. You'd have to get a legal divorce after the engagement. Okay, um, the couple would not consummate at this point. They would not come together and consummate. Um, this is this is why when um, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, uh, Mary was found out to be with child. Uh, the, the Lord neglected to tell Joseph that that would happen before the fact, so they had to live in this crazy, ambiguous, <laughs> crazy time in, in the process. But he, want, he, had to, he was going to put her away or divorce her privately, even though they hadn't um, consummated, they haven't come together to be officially uh, joined in the full union of marriage. Okay, so... Uh, engagement is super important. It was a legally binding event. Okay, now, it was the husband's responsibility, the groom's responsibility, to go away for a year and to prepare a place for himself and for his bride to live and to start a new family. Does this sound unfamiliar to anybody, okay? Just prior to leaving, the husband would give a bridal gift to the bride, okay? It was a pledge for his, uh, of his love for her and its purpose was to remind her uh, that in the days of their separation, that he was thinking of her, that he loves her, and that he would return to, to take her as his, as his bride. okay um, In Bible times, rather than a guy going and just building a separate dwelling place, uh, in Bible times, what a guy would do, he's, he would go to his father's house, and instead of building a whole new house, they would add a new room to the father's house, and that he would actually that's where he would take his bride. So they built a new Um, Room on top of the father's house Connected to the father's house Okay Um, The groom would return after approximately one year To be married to his bride And although she knew The general season of his return The exact day and hour of his return Was unknown to everybody Um, Does that sound familiar to anybody? Come on it was ultimately the father of the groom who gave the final approval for the marriage ceremony to begin and for the groom to go receive his bride. It was the father's um, prerogative to make that decision, okay? Uh, it, was set, it, was, it was customary for one of the groom's party when, when the groom was going to get his bride, it was customary for one of the groom's party to go ahead of the groom leading the way to the bride's house and shout, behold, the bridegroom comes. Behold, the bridegroom comes. This would be followed by the sounding of a shofar. Okay, so there's an announcement, there's a trumpet blast. Okay, anyone putting the dots together here? Okay. Um, now, unlike our weddings, there was much more than just a sit-down dinner and a nice evening, okay? Um, it included seven full days of food, music, dancing, and celebration. Seven full days of dancing and celebration. And then after the festivities, the husband was free to bring his bride to their new home to live together um, in the full covenant of marriage. Okay, now for those of you that know some of your Bible, this is exactly like what the marriage supper of the Lamb will look like. And I want to just give you eight points, show this to you real quick. I'm not going to do a ton of commentary. I'm going to give you eight points of how um, the Jewish wedding of the first century or in the Bible um, portrays what the coming of the Lord will look like okay so it looks like it looks like this um, point number one the return of Jesus looks like what okay number one, we the church we you and I we are in an arranged marriage with Jesus okay uh, ephesians chapter one uh, let 's see let 's do verses four through six It says this he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Okay, so He, he this is a prearranged marriage. The fact that you came to Jesus was prearranged from the foundations of the world. Point number two. Jesus uh, paid the bridal price on the cross. He purchased us. He paid for you and for me. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, it says this. For you know that it was not with perishable things uh, as silver and gold that you were redeemed uh, from an empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Also, First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, it says this, You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, church, we were purchased with a price. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He spilled his blood for you and for me to be redeemed. Okay, that was the bridal price. Okay, point number three. Even though we are in an arranged marriage, our free will still played a major role. We still had to say yes to Jesus, even though he wanted us to be his bride, okay? John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, Yet to all who did receive him, okay, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen, salvation is a free gift that you can never earn or deserve. Right relationship with God is a gift that we can never earn or deserve, but we still have to say yes. We still have to receive this gift that God offers us, okay? So our free will, even though it's an arranged marriage, plays a major role in this relationship we have with the Lord, okay? Point number four. Jesus is preparing a place for his bride right now. He's preparing a place for us. Okay, John chapter 14, verses one through three, it says this, uh, Jesus said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms, or some translations say many mansions. So the point is, whatever you're, wherever you're living now, this is an upgrade. Just want you to know that, okay? I don't know if it's a room. I don't know if it's a mansion. I don't know if you have land. It's an upgrade, okay? My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, uh, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. Okay. Jesus, ultimately, he wants us to be where he is. He's taken us, he's taken us to the place that he's preparing for us right now. It's, and it's at the Father's house. Come on. Okay, point number six. The Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, this is point number five. Uh, Point number five, the Holy Spirit is our engagement ring, okay? When I married my wife, I gave her an engagement ring. She gave me a ring, okay? Um, But the Holy Spirit is like an engagement ring, or it's a down payment of more to come. Like when I married my wife, I gave her a ring that wasn't like, Here's the fullness of our marriage, a ring. No, that that ring is a promise of a life with me that I want to provide for her. And this ring I'm wearing is a life that she wants to give to me and a life together, okay? The Holy Spirit is our engagement ring. Uh, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says this. Now we have been, uh, by the way, this is a passion translation. I love the way it says this in the passion because it just cuts right through it. Uh, Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what is coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance, which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom for the supreme glory and honor of God. Okay, the Holy Spirit is given to us as an engagement ring. It's a seal, the the promise guaranteeing the rest of the inheritance. You have not received all of your inheritance. We we do have, uh, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, but the fullness of what God wants to give us, man, that's going to unfold for eternity, okay? So he has so much more for you. When you receive the Holy Spirit, that is the down payment. He didn't leave us as orphans. He left us with the helper. He left us with the person of the Holy Spirit, okay? All right, point number six. The wedding time is set by the father. There is a there's a point in time that is set by the father for us to be joined to Jesus. Jesus said this Matthew 24th, uh verses. I think I have in my notes here thirty six through forty four. It is not that much. I don't know. It's somewhere in there. Matthew twenty four, somewhere in between verses thirty six and forty four. Uh, it says uh, it says thirty six up here. Great. Um, but the coming the coming. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Okay, the fa- it's the Father's prerogative to say, okay, son, go get your bride. The, the, the home is prepared. Go get your bride and bring her home. The time for the wedding has come. Okay, and point number uh, seven, the return of Jesus will be preceded by a shout and a trumpet blast. There's a, 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 One of the groom's party is going ahead of Jesus with a shout and a trumpet blast. It says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Okay, there is a... Loud command of an archangel. The angels going before him, and a, the trumpet blast of God will be the announcement that Jesus is coming back to get us. How many are excited about that? I have a funny story on that note. Okay, um, <laughs> I, we have some friends that um, they grew up hearing a lot about the, the rapture and be prepared for the return of Jesus. And if you're not ready for the return of Jesus when the rapture takes place, you're going to be left behind. There's a lot of books written called Left Behind and movies made. And um anyway, these friends of ours, um, they were kids and they were hearing a lot about the rapture. There's a lot of emphasis on eschatology at the time. They're little kids. And they were at their house and they heard um the sounding of a a horn. A horn. And they're like, oh my gosh, the rapture. Is it the rapture? They were just waiting and watching and ready for the rapture all the time, because the rapture could happen any minute. And then they start going around their house looking for mom and dad. They couldn't find their mom and dad. And then they're like, oh, my God. They start freaking out. We missed the rapture. Our parents are gone. We're alone. And then, then they found out they didn't miss the rapture because parents were, like, at the neighbor's house or something like that. So be careful. You might scare your kids, okay? <laughs> uh, and it was a train, by the way, the, 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 the horn blast. Okay. So, but Jesus is coming back with a trumpet blast, the shout of an archangel. Okay. Last point, point number eight. There will be a celebration like never before. A celebration like never before. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Revelation 19, 6-9, nine, it says this, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and... And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. His words are faithful and true. Okay, Jesus is coming back, and it is like... A wedding. It is like a Jewish first-century wedding. Where are we at right now in this timeline, okay? Um, we've been in a prearranged marriage. That happened from the foundations of the world. Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross 2,000 years ago. Um, hopefully, your free will has played the role it should in saying yes to this invitation to come, okay? Jesus currently, he's, his, the death, burial, and resurrection happened. Jesus is currently in heaven preparing a place for you and I, for his bride, to be with him forever. In the meantime, he has given us the Holy Spirit as the promised guarantee, as the engagement ring of the, of the rest that's to come, okay? we're waiting for the Father, the time set by the Father for Jesus to come back and get us. There will be a trumpet blast and a shout of an archangel in heaven when that happens and you and I are going to be part of a celebration like never before. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Amen? This is what God has done for us. This is what Jesus has done for us. Next week, I want to focus on what does the bride do? What is the bride's responsibility in all this? Okay, She is not supposed to just, he is our Prince Charming. He is coming to rescue us. Yes. You know, you know that song, my boyfriend's back and you're going to be in trouble, right? Jesus is coming back to judge. Say, I was listening to that song this morning. I put it on. It's, it's so Listen to that song in context to what's happening here. He's going to save my reputation. You better, you better get going. My boyfriend's coming back. Listen, Jesus is coming back to judge your <laughs> adversary, okay? But then, listen, but we're not just here waiting to be rescued. We got a mission. We got a mission that we're supposed to be on right now, okay? We're more like Xena warrior princess, if you will, okay? So this isn't, this isn't just a, a waiting bride. This is a victorious, powerful bride we're talking about. Can I get a witness? Okay. So we're going to talk about that next week. But this is what Jesus is going to do, and I want to talk about how we the bride of Christ, the church, stays ready and stays prepared. And we're going to go back into the parable of the 10 virgins and talk about that. So I'm going to pray. And uh, your father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are coming back for that pure spotless bride to be with us forever, Lord. God, we ask that, um, I would ask you just pour out your spirit on your people today. Help them. Help us anticipate your coming. Help us remember that you are coming, Lord. Every day, Lord, let us wake up and and be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus. You're not gonna leave things as they are forever, Lord, but you're coming back. God, you're gonna judge the living and the dead, and you're gonna put that snake under your feet once and for all, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Awesome. Well, listen, I wanna just take one more moment, talk to a special group of you who are watching that's those of you and you've never said yes to the dress okay sorry that was a joke you've never said yes to being part of the bride of christ okay that could be a good sermon title say yes to the dress okay so you've never said yes to receive this free gift of salvation that god offers you okay i'll change the verbiage you've never said yes to be a son of god okay for you guys out there And you girls, you've never said yes to becoming a daughter of the king, okay? Jesus wants you to receive this gift. Again, it's not by works. It's not by doing good. It's not by trying hard that we receive this gift. It's by grace. It's just by saying, yes, God, that's me. I want to receive that gift. I trust you. I put my faith in you today. If that's you and you've never trusted Christ for salvation, I want to pray for you. And just uh, pray this prayer after me. Mean these words with all of your heart. It's not in the magical words I'm about to say. It's to the cry of the heart that God sees. So repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for coming to this world and paying the price for me. Thank you for redeeming me. Today I place my faith and trust in you. Be my Lord, be my God. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody out there said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, praise God. We love you guys. Uh, uh, I'll just say quickly, those of you that made that decision to place your trust in Jesus for the very first time, we're so honored. I'm so honored to have been a part of that, to lead you in that decision. If you would, um, on our website, citylights.church, there's a connect card. Just click on that connect card, indicate on there you've made this decision. We will follow up with you and just let you know about some next steps in this relationship you've begun. That's so important. But uh, also, just in the meantime, church, we're You can expect to hear from us this week about a plan to reopen, hopefully very, very soon. And so be praying for us, wisdom over us, that we understand the fullness of how to do this. And uh, we're so excited we'll be back here very soon. We love you guys. Have a great week. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100-4100. 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.